Welcome to the KPC Podcast. This week's message is from Pastor Chris Greenwood. Two weeks ago, we looked at what worship is all about. Last week, we dove into what we're supposed to offer in worship. And today, we're going to look at the experiences and expressions of musical worship. So it seemed right that we had an extended block of worship this morning. I really enjoyed that. I thank you for the worship team leading us in that this morning for those extra moments. Now, before I tell you what we should do, sometimes we can learn by, what, by seeing what we're not supposed to do. So I'm going to show you a video clip of how not to do worship. If you've seen this, laugh again. If you haven't seen it, just hold on, because uh, it's, it's very moving. So let's roll this video clip, please. There's just enough truth to make us uncomfortable. And I want you to wrestle with any of uncomfortableness that you're feeling right now after watching that, because if you're like me, it was cute at first, and then it became a bit more painful as it went on. And the reason it's painful is because sometimes I do have a tendency to just sing the words and not match them with my heart. And other times I'm captivated by a melody or a harmony or the rhythm much more than I am by the truth of the lyrics or the one to whom I'm supposed to be directing those lyrics. Sometimes I find myself wondering what do people think of me as I worship? Am I doing it right? Am I doing it wrong? Does me standing, sitting, kneeling, raising my hands, lowering my hands, do they influence other people? Is that influence good? Is it bad? Does it communicate something I'm not aware of? And on and on and on. So sometimes I drift. And because of that, I need to be brought back over and over and over into the heart of worship. And that's why lyrics matter. Now, I'm not trying to offer a master class on song evaluation this morning, but I am a pastor who's also preaching on worship. And as such, I'm tasked with helping shepherd each of you into God-honoring worship. According to our EPC Book of Order, the senior pastor is the chief worship leader of the church. As such, Pastor Steve has the final say on any and every song that is sung in the sanctuary during worship. Myself and the other two pastors also carry the responsibility of making sure that the songs that we sing rightly glorify God. In addition to the pastors, Shiloh, as the director of worship and arts, carries a form of this responsibility as well, because she, in a very real sense, is shepherding each of you, including myself, musically. Thus, just like a shepherd protects their sheep, Shiloh is tasked with protecting each of you from songs that don't rise to the high bar of worship. As someone with a musical background and experience as a worship leader, this issue is very close to my heart because we have to be increasingly diligent to screen the vast amount of Christian music that's coming out today. We also have to continue to be aware of the music from the past. Now when I'm talking about screening, don't hear me say style or type. For far too long and far too often, we've evaluated a song based on its type or style, and then we get all mad at each other because we don't all like the same type or style. Can I just tell you that having a stylistic preference for your music is fine. It really is fine. Be at peace with that. What's not fine is demanding that everyone else like the same type of thing you like. That's what my children do. With four kids of varying ages, finding something all four want to watch on TV at the same time is becoming increasingly difficult. 
Why? Because each kid believes that their favorite TV show, which it's fine to have a favorite, should also be everyone else's favorite as well. That's not fine. So we're not talking about style and type. What we're talking about is content. Content matters because we need the content to call us back to why we're singing in the first place. We all drift during a worship service at some point on some days, or for some of us, many points on most days. I urge you to raise the bar in your personal sessions of worship, even as we seek to do so here corporately, by asking yourself, does this song make much of God? Do the lyrics point to how amazing He is? Do they describe Him, exalt Him, praise Him, thank Him, proclaim Him? Songs that say yes to these questions are songs that answer the main why question, why do we worship? Which two weeks ago we answered by saying, we worship to make much of God. If the answer to those questions is not a yes, then why is it not a yes? Are they instead written to make much of what God has done, what He will do, or how He's at work? Maybe they're describing what He offers, what He gives, or what's available to us. Or maybe they're proclaiming who we are, the transformation that has taken place in us, or our new identity in Christ. Now these themes are certainly fine to sing about and can absolutely be used as a part of a musical worship set. But if the entire song stays within the theme of what God has done, what He offers, or who God says I am, and doesn't lyrically ground itself in the root theme of making much of who God is, then they are not songs that tap into the heart of worship. And it's important you understand that. Because remember, worship is about the making much of God Himself, who He is at the core of His being. Now just to clarify, I am not saying it's wrong or unbiblical to sing songs that have lyrics highlighting what God has done, what God offers, or who God says we are. What is wrong is immersing ourselves exclusively or even primarily in music that highlights all that God has done and all that we get from God because when we do that, it has devastating side effects. When we don't allow for the heart of worship to take center stage, then we are not only missing the heart of worship entirely, but it has an unintended consequence. And that unintended consequence is creating a selfish, self-seeking, self-exalting, narcissistic, and humanistic people. And that's a lot of big words. That's what happens when we sing songs that exalt us. So we have to be very careful to immerse ourselves with songs, again, both privately and corporately, that proclaim the heart of worship while understanding and using the very best of the songs that remind us of all that God has done, all that God offers, and all that God says about us as icing on the cake. But don't make icing the cake, okay? I just want you to understand the heartbeat of that. A cake is a cake because it has cake to it, not just a bunch of icing. Okay, I'm going to stop there. I haven't even gotten into the theological and doctrinal filters that we use to evaluate songs because I don't have time for all that this morning. But all of that's still important and it's true. Instead, I want to focus the rest of the message on the material basically that's been taken from our KPC 101 class. So I want to thank Bethany for contributing very heavily to the sermon this morning because she didn't even know that. But I want to just now move into how we experience worship. Okay? Here at KPC, we are regularly 
incorporate music and group singing as a way to delight in God's goodness, as we did this morning, and express our passion for Him. In order for that to happen, members of our church body gather together each week to prepare music sets for us as a congregation. They offer their time and talents as a gift both to God and to us. So, just real quickly, if you serve on um, the praise and worship team at all, in any capacity, could you just briefly stand? I know I'm not I'm trying to embarrass you. Just if you praise and worship at all. Anybody on the ground floor up there? Nobody, no, no, no. Oh, there's a couple. There's a couple just back there. Good, good, wonderful. Thank you. Fantastic. Thank you. All right. Now, if you guys could just quickly stay back up. And now, if you were singing the choir at all, if you're in the choir ever at all, go ahead and stand on up as well. Wonderful. See? Very good. Thank you, guys. Wonderful. All right. You may be seated. Thank you. Now, I, I wanted you to see that just a small group of people offer a huge ministry to each of us here at KPC. And so I just wanted to take a minute and say thank you. Thank you for serving in that way because you lead all of us into worship on a regular basis. The musical worship sets that are put together each week here at KPC commonly reflect on the nature of God, what He's done for us, and who we are in Him. They give us words to express what's in our hearts. Worship as a whole at KPC is charismatic or spirit-filled. Now, by that, it means that it seeks to be more than just honoring to the Holy Spirit. It also seeks to be open to the Spirit of God. It endeavors to be led by the Spirit of God. It seeks to be inspired by and empowered by the Holy Spirit of God. So when we narrow down to the musical part of worship specifically, we find a tremendous amount of variation and allowances made for how we, as the people of God, can engage in biblical worship. In fact, we've identified 11 of them, and they're going to be up on the screen as we go through. This doesn't mean that this is all of them. I would much rather there be either 10 or 12, just because that helps me symmetrically. 11 is an awkward number. So if you have one more, feel free to tell me, because I would greatly appreciate it. But number one, we have vocal and instrumental praise and worship. We can see this reflected throughout the Psalms and even into the New Testament. Lots of different instruments can be used in the Bible. Brass, string, percussion. Um, using instruments uh, has been used for banishing the darkness in 1 Samuel 16 and inviting God's ministering presence into a situation in 2 Kings 3. Number two, we can lift up our hands. Lifting up a hands expresses thanksgiving, surrender, and dependence. You probably have heard of the illustration, any toddler who kind of walks along and does this whole little thing, it's very obvious what they want, right? And so that's what we do when we lift our hands in worship. We are symbolically offering up our hearts and our lives as we lift them up to the Lord. You can also use clapping. Clapping is a means of releasing joy and offering thanksgiving from Psalm 47. Kneeling is an expression of humility, number four that is, meekness and submission. The literal Hebrew meaning is to bless him when you kneel. Did you know that? It's fascinating. Number five is bowing down, expresses respect and reverence. Number six, lying face down, is an expression of total awe and reverence. Number seven, standing in his presence, is an acknowledgement of God's royalty and displays a readiness for service. I just, demonstra- I just saw this demonstrated at the funeral we had on Thursday. Uh, when the family enters the room, what do we all do? We all stand. It's a symbol of reverence and honor. And so that's what we do in that moment. Number eight, dancing before God. 
There's all kinds of different dancing in the scriptures. There's uh, group dancing and singular dancing, leaping about, springing wildly even, dancing in the spirit. It's a releasing of joy and act of thanksgiving and celebration. Number nine, shouting joyfully to God. Now these are not just screams. We've all heard people just scream, but these are shouts of proclamation. We're speaking praises with the purpose of expressing God's glory. And this is most notably in the scriptures with the whole wall of Jericho, right? Remember how they walked around the wall? And then they blew the trumpets and they all yelled at the wall, right, for the walls to come down. And they did. And uh, if you've seen the veggie tale, then it's the French peas up there, which is one of the funniest things ever. But I digress. So number 10 is sitting in his presence. Sometimes it's appropriate to just simply sit and find ourselves at rest with the Lord and invite his love to come and change us. And the number 11 is to encourage one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. And so we can both praise God with those and we can offer encouragement to one another with those. Oftentimes this praise comes as easily as breathing, but at other times it's truly a sacrifice. When our heart is in pieces because of loss, betrayal, or any other broken thing in our life, Lifting up God's name or pressing into thankfulness can seem a very painful thing. It can hurt to draw your attention away from the pain and instead look into the eyes of your Creator, as Mark illustrated earlier this morning. But in turning, we see the eyes of love and are healed. Singing in gratitude and love to God does not ignore the pain in your life, but rather it invites Him to sit with you and lift your heart to the hope of who He is. It's a sacrifice that you only get to give Him here on earth, because in heaven, all that will be wiped away. You get to give love to him even if your world seems to be falling apart. There is a time when we will live in a world without pain or tears, but that day is not this day. And until that time comes, our Father offers us moments, sacred moments, to turn to him when the pain of the world presses in on us. The gift of musical worship provides some of those moments, moments where we can choose to lavish him with love when our hearts are breaking and say, I choose you even though I don't understand, even though I'm afraid. I believe in your love for me and I love you back. And this is a gift. This is what salvation grants us. This is going deep into the garden of his heart to say yes to trusting him and no to the serpent begging us to believe that he isn't really as good as he says he is. So no matter what's going on in your heart or in your life, you can always choose to worship because of the Spirit inside of you. He enables you to worship in spirit and in truth. This is life-giving to you, and it glorifies the Father. In a few minutes, we're going to close our time together by watching a short spoken word video clip on worship. Following the video, I'm going to pray for us, call the altar ministers up, and offer the benediction. But before I do all of that, I want to continue to tie today's message back with the other two sermons and put it all into a nice little bow, if I can, of a conclusion. Last week's sermon was on offering your life as a primary act of worship. With that as a backdrop, I want to highlight the fact that we have a tremendous amount of opportunities for everyone to take your spot here at KPC. In fact, I've never seen this many opportunities at one church at one time. There is a real shift that's happening here in our church. And I think it's important that I take some time to tell you about a few of them. Now, I know some of you are already have a tendency to begin to clock out on me. Don't clock out on me. Stay with me because these are important. 
One of the things we're doing is we're transitioning away from the deacons solely being in charge of our Sunday morning security team. And here's why we're doing that, because it's important you understand why. The answer is not just because the deacons are lazy and want to do something else. That's not it. I've never seen a harder working group of people uh, than our deacons. The true answer is that they feel a deep tug of the Lord to recommit to their main areas of ministry. The food pantry, or what we call the barn, which is out that way, some of you went and signed inside there last week, is almost complete. And when it is complete, it will greatly expand that ministry. The benevolence arm of the deacon's ministry is going through a major overhaul, which is going to take huge investments of time, but will reap benefits that will impact not just singular lives, but entire families and generations. The Samaritan arm of this ministry continues to be called upon to help with physical assistance and projects around people's homes, like mowing and fixing things and building ramps and all kinds of different things that these deacons do. Because of this, the brand new security team has opened up to you guys. It's a layperson thing. And so we need your help to, uh, to take those opportunities. We, and from everything you've said, the congregation as a whole, believe very strongly that the Lord is leading us to start this new service. Uh, we, as many of you know, in three weeks, we'll have the 8.30 service and the 10.30 service. So we have wonderful opportunities for you guys to serve and take your spot in Sunday morning ministries like the Next Step Team, Worship and Arts, Media and Sound, Children's Ministry, Youth Ministry. Out in the lobby, you've probably seen it, there's this huge poster out there, the Take Your Spot poster, but also right in this hallway is a children's ministry poster, has a similar type theme to it over there. There's lots of ways that you can be involved. I continue to have interest in sign-up meetings in regards to different aspects of discipleship here. I've had a one-on-one meeting, we've had a small group ministry meeting, and this today, we have a life group interest meeting at noon in the den. So if any of those are interesting at any time, you can reach out to me. There are literally many, many opportunities to get plugged in. Now you might be thinking, Pastor Chris, that's one really long announcement, and I think you've drifted a little bit here in your worship sermon. I want you to understand why I haven't. If the primary thing that we offer in worship is our lives, as Scripture illustrated last week, then it's entirely appropriate for me to lay before each and every one of you the multiple and opportunities that are available in which you could literally offer your life as an act of worship at our church. As I was developing this part of the sermon, it occurred to me that sometimes we create misunderstandings with the words we use. For example, if I said, that shirt makes you look huge, there's a lot of different ways you could take that, right? But see, when Pastor Mark tries on a shirt that's a little bit smaller than it could be, and he flexes his biceps, it makes him look huge. That's very different than if I try on my nine-year-old son Josiah's t-shirt, and then I say, that makes me look huge. Very different meanings for the word huge. One is kind of a compliment because of the size of his muscles, and one maybe not so much if I tried on my son's t-shirt. The same kind of misunderstanding can happen surrounding this word serving. A lot of us, we hear the word serving and we're kind of like, oh, I don't want to serve. I don't want you to be put off by the word serve. We often say there's an opportunity to serve in this ministry or that ministry. What we're really saying is that there's an opportunity for you to minister. I want you to understand that. 
In every area here at KPC that you have a chance to serve in, it's a chance for you to minister. And we are called by God to empower you for ministry. My youngest daughter goes into her Sunday school classroom, kids' church classroom, whatever we call that thing, every week. And every week, she receives a letter from her teacher. Every week. For weeks now, she receives a letter reminding Kyrie of what she's learned and encouraging her to come back this next week and learn something else. That's ministry. And as a dad, I can't tell you how special that is for her to get a letter every week by her teacher inviting her to come learn more about Jesus. And I just illustrate that to you guys so that you understand each of you has an opportunity to be involved in some form of ministry here. Fiddler on the Roof, I know you can't hardly see much of it right now, is a huge example of this very thing. Have you even been to one of the shows yet? We went yesterday afternoon. I'm telling you, it is fantastic. It's just fantastic. It really, really is fantastic. So what has happened is we have empowered a group of people from within our church to do something that honestly, and I believe they would agree with this, it was beyond them. And they have chased after it with such passion, it has been a magnificent success. Has it had bumps in the road? Of course it has. Are there lessons to be learned? Absolutely. We have room to improve in process, procedure, communication, and we're going to work all those things out. But none of that diminishes the fact that it has been done, it has been done well, and because of that, ministry has occurred, and God has been made much of this weekend. And we cannot lose sight of that. It's a huge, huge deal. And you still have a chance to come tonight, 7 o'clock, little plug right there. And you can do it too. I think there's a song, you can do it too, you can do it. Okay, losing track, focus. Okay, we're going to help you, okay? Listen, we will walk beside you. We will train you. We won't sign you up and just walk away. Gone is the day where we just plug holes and assign tasks. Some of us have been tirelessly working to establish a new normal here at KPC. You've heard me say that. And slowly but surely, we're gaining ground. This is the new normal. This whole idea of empowering you guys to do the ministry. This is the new normal that we're stepping into. And I want to encourage you to take those opportunities as a chance to live out a life of worship. So, let's be committed to making much of who God is. Let's offer him all and every bit of who we are as we offer him our lives. Let's take the time to experience him. Let's express to him how thankful we are that he is God and there is none like him. And let's remind ourselves once again that we are created in his image, crafted on his potter's wheel, and called by grace into a relationship with this wonder-working God. Hear now the good news that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He is mindful of you. He cares for you. He loves you. He desires you. He is taking all of us as living stones and building us into a home, a home where passion for God and compassion for people is the sign hanging over the front door. How could we not worship him? Let's watch this last video, and then we'll close down the service.
As the altar ministers make their way forward, let me just close us with prayer, please. Father, this morning, we could just simply keep talking and talking and talking about worship. There's so much to learn, so much to understand, so much to be aware of. But your simple uh, command is just to do it, just worship. And you'll guide us and you'll direct us along the way. Indeed, you invite us into a relationship and you tell us how beautiful we are and how special we are. And we're so humbled by that because when we look at you, we're just struck by how amazing you are. And it's this give and take, it's this circle of receiving and giving and giving and receiving. But God, love began with you because we love because you first loved us. And so we acknowledge you as the primary initiator of the whole relationship. And we stand in humble awe of the whole thing. So this morning as we have talked about situations in our country, as we've talked about opportunities to serve in this church, as we've talked about just worship at an individual level. God, would you just simply pour into us that we might be able to pour into those around us, both in our culture, in a world that desperately needs truth and love, and also in this body that we might truly serve one another in ministry. I thank you for the wonderful privilege, and I know each of the pastors feels a wonderful privilege of being able to lead this flock. And so, God, I thank you for the session. I thank you for the deacons. I thank you for the staff. And, God, as we empower your people to do your ministry, may there be grace, may there be humility, May there be patience, and may there also be excitement and joy and celebration and victory as you do things through your people in this place, things that we can't even comprehend and we didn't think we could ever achieve, and yet you do it because you empower your people to do so. Take these lives. We offer them to you as our spiritual act of worship. We pray all of these things in the wonderful name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening to the KPC Podcast. For more messages and information, visit kpc.org.